0: That was me. Good morning, Harvest. Oh, it's good to be in the Lord's house together this morning. You guys are so kind. I, uh, I am not Michael Rydelnik. <laughs> My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. Counted a true privilege to be a part of this church family. And uh, now what we are gonna do today is continue in our study through the book of Ephesians. We did not wanna stop that. And so on all of our campuses, our campus pastors are opening God's word today. Uh, It is his word we need most. It is his word we need first. It is his word that is our authority And uh, that's why we come together for this time today. I wanna welcome, obviously, everybody in the room. Great to see you. And I wanna welcome everybody online. How you doing, guys? Uh, I just want to do this, because they're like, is anybody actually here? That's what they're thinking right now. So uh, on the count of three, I want you to say good morning to all of our online people. Already, One, two, three. Good morning. (laughs) That's great. I love that that's possible and crazy that people join us from all over the place online. We're glad you're with us today. Well, we're continuing in Ephesians, and uh, we are going to continue this series of living in light of our eternal portfolio. We've spent a good bit of time, these first three, two chapters, now today into three, on this idea of the treasure we have in Christ, all that he's done for us. It's interesting, because really, turning into chapter four, which will come soon, is where there's a whole bunch of things we're supposed to do in response to that but we're still kind of building and understanding and wow, look at what Christ has done for us, the portfolio we have in heaven. Last week we focused, Dr. Rudallnick focused us on the work of Jesus Christ that brings hope both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Thank you, Lord, through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Today we're in Ephesians chapter three. And because we worship the Lord, and because he's given his word, and because it's worthy of our attention, let's stand together, and let's read, I will read Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Ephesians 3, 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on your behalf, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming In him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's be seated and let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would guide, we ask that you would direct. We ask, Lord, that we would just hear from you. That's what we need, that's what we want. We pray these things today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, you ever get going down a train of thought and then like the train goes completely off the tracks? Does that ever happen to you? I find that happening to me more year by year, maybe more with the more kids we've had, I don't know, but I, I, I start down this, like, I wanna tell you this story and I wanna tell you these details and I get part way down and by the time I'm done, I'm like, where did, what was I? There was something I was gonna say that I never quite got to, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like that in prayer? You're like, oh man, I'm so focused, I'm on this, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about something else and then I'm thinking about a different prayer request and I'm thinking about what I have to do in an hour and then I'm thinking about what's for lunch and then I'm, and we can just get on this little rabbit trail. This is sort of what the Holy Spirit directs Paul to do in this passage. You're like, where did you go, Paul? We were kind of going over here and we kind of took this little route off to the side. See, what's going on here is Paul in verse, uh, chapter two, verse 22 says, in him, in Christ, you are, also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So he's like, yes, that's what Christ is doing, that's what he's doing, he's knitting you together, building you together. So he turns to verse one, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. then see that little dash? And then he goes into a whole different thing. And then he comes back in verse 14, after this whole different thing we're gonna look at today. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say something else, so let me get back to that. So right now, it's sort of like this little Holy Spirit-inspired detour. We're gonna go down a little side road for a second. And uh, anybody ever been to Hawaii in the room here? Anybody? Wish I could raise my hand. (laughs) I'm told there's this place in Maui called the Road to Hana. Has anyone been on this road? Yeah, okay, anybody get car sick? Yeah, same group, okay, great. So this, uh, let me get out of the way. This road goes down along the coast of Maui and I'm told it is like the most gorgeous, beautiful views around every corner as long as you don't drive off the cliff on the next corner. But I'm also told that when you get to Hana, it's sort of like eh. It's the journey that is the thing. It's the road that has the beautiful views. And so as we go through this today, I don't want you to miss the beautiful views that Paul's gonna bring out uh, in these verses, okay? Here it is. In verse one through 13, Paul talks, takes us on a Holy Spirit detour, this side road, so that we can't miss this truth. And here's the title of the message today. Made known, made known, the mystery was made known to some so that the gospel would be made known to all. Let me say that again. The mystery was made known to some so that the gospel would be made known to all. Now look at verse one again. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, given to Paul for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Okay? Now, Paul is gonna spend some time here, and you saw it already three times, the mystery, the mystery, the mystery of Christ. And that's our first point here. As God has made himself known, the mystery made known, Christ reveals the mystery even to me, even to me. There's an amazing thing happening here and I just wanna take a moment to, to just pause and say, do you understand who Paul was? Do you know anything about his story? Because. You know, we just saw a God at work story, oh my goodness, Lord, you're changing lives through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we had a God at work story from Saul, we could title it Saul to Paul. And uh, here's kinda what happened. I wouldn't call it a seeker story. Saul, Saul was a Jew and he had achieved status and position, he was a good Jewish man who did the right things his Jewish resume was incredible. You wanna read it for yourself, you can read Philippians chapter three, verses four through seven. Paul was so good that he learned how to tell others the ways that they were wrong. You know that kind of good person? And uh, not so good. When a new group called Christians, the followers of Jesus, challenged the traditions of the Jewish righteousness and historic faith that he was so well versed in, Saul and his friends did not like that, and they went on the offensive, so much so that they were attacking the followers of Jesus Christ, and they were pursuing them house to house. Imagine that. Scripture actually says they were ravishing the Christians. That's who Saul was. We know this, you can read this on your own, I hope you will this week. If you read through Acts, the book of Acts chapter seven, chapter eight, chapter nine, it's all spelled out. Saul was even present and approving of the murder, the stoning of Stephen. This is who Saul was. However, God intervened. The resurrected Jesus met Saul personally. He rebuked him, he stopped him, he physically blinded him and he saved him and he changed him from the inside out and then he commissioned him to tell all those who he used to hate about Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, unbelievable. Paul had a radical transformation. He was saved, he was changed, he was commissioned by Christ himself, and even, reading verse one, imprisoned for that very mission. Why do I belabor that? Because I want to encourage you today, I want to remind you today that no one is beyond God's ability to save. If there was a person who could have been harder and farther and more opposed to Jesus, I don't know who it would be than Saul. But when he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, everything changed. When Jesus calls your name, oh my. It's time to listen, it's time to pause, it's time to repent, it's time to turn, it's time to surrender everything to him. And when God saved Saul, he changed everything in him. He changed his family, he changed his community. He changed all of his priorities. He even changed his name. No longer Saul, Paul, we read in Acts 13. Paul had a new mission given by God, and here it was, to steward the grace of God and to share it with the Gentiles. This is what the Lord does, guys. When he saves us, even us, even me, even you, He says, okay, that's great for you, but that isn't actually for you. That's for somebody else. I'm entrusting you with the grace you've received so you will take it and share it with others. That's what Paul understood. That's what I need to understand. That's what you need to understand. I have a question for you What grace have you received from the Lord? Have you been saved? Have you been forgiven? Have you been blessed? Have you been helped? Have you been strengthened? Have you learned some things? All of that grace you have from the Lord is to be shared with others. When God called Paul, he was commissioned by Jesus and his life was no longer his own. He was saved in spite of himself. That's my story. And I hope that's your story, too. We're not saved because of our our resume. We're saved because of Jesus. Paul knew this so well, and he was commissioned by Jesus to carry that grace to others. So not only did God call Paul, but he called for a reason, to make known the mystery, okay? That's the reason, to make known the mystery. Did you see it? Three different times in the span of six verses, this term mystery comes up. Now, let me just help with this for a second. Mystery does not mean an unsolvable puzzle. Uh, It does not mean something that you'll never really understand. That's not what mystery means here. It's certainly not mystical, and it isn't ultimately mysterious. It doesn't mean intentionally vague or unknowable, and it's not just knowledge for a few that others will never get. Rather, here it is. Mystery in this context in Ephesians 3 means this something that was not formerly known that is now known. That's the mystery. That was not known until Christ revealed it to Paul and Paul revealed it to the Ephesians and here in this letter. Something not formerly known that is now known. See, what happened was this. God gave even greater revelation than what he had given before. He revealed himself personally to Paul on the road to Damascus, and he revealed himself progressively through Scripture. He tells us more through Christ. He tells us more through the New Testament. This mystery is information that was not known that is now known. Now, what was known in the Old Testament? Well, a lot of things, right? Let me give you a few. Here's a couple things we know from the Old Testament. God was the creator, right? Genesis Uh, Man is fallen. Man is sinful. Man broke the relationship with God because of our sin. We know that God is holy and righteous from the Old Testament. We know God is a covenant God, a covenant he made with his chosen people, Israel. We know God is a redeemer from the Old Testament. And we know God promised a coming Messiah. Do you know that? All of those things were told to us through the Old Testament. So what is this mystery? What is Paul referring to? The mystery is this, that Jesus, Messiah, had come. And now, both the Jews and the Gentiles had a way, the exact same invitation to salvation, to be united with Jesus Christ. This, as was well said last week in our message by Dr. Rudelnik, is a radical thought, that the Jews and the Gentiles now had the exact same access to God through Jesus Christ. There was no preferential anything because of what Christ has done. You know, it's interesting, the Jews uh, in the early New Testament, they were a little bit confused about some of this stuff, And, and what they actually thought, some of them, was that you can... Be saved if you're not a Jew as long as you will adopt all of the practices that the Jewish people held. And this became a big issue in the church. In fact, you can read about it in Acts chapter 15. They had to get this all settled and straight. No, no, no. You don't have to become Jewish to become a follower of Christ. A Jew and a Gentile has the exact same access of forgiveness, of life, of hope, of eternal life with Christ through Jesus Christ It was a mystery not fully understood before and now revealed through Christ. If God could save Paul, God can save you. I think we need to sometimes stop running and stop rejecting and and recognize that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's done what only he could have done so that even Paul. Even I, even you, could be saved. We're not saved by our resume, we're not saved by our heritage, but through the blood of Jesus who died to pay the penalty for our sins. And here's the good news, guys. Your past identity doesn't determine your future when God intervenes through Christ. Can I say that again? Your past identity, your past story does not determine your future path when you have fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Look at Saul. I don't even recognize him anymore. The guy who was approving of the murder of the followers of Christ is in prison because he's preaching Jesus Christ crucified on behalf of all. Wow. Our identity is completely changed and the mystery is made known to Paul and to us. A second point in the text I see is this. Christ unites with the mystery, okay? Christ unites with the mystery. Anyone can become family. Oh, I like this a lot. Look at verse six. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay, Again, it's hard to maybe to get our head fully around this, but this is a massive, a cataclysmic cataclysmic paradigm shift. Wait, you're telling me that there's equal access, regardless of my history, regardless of my story, to be in Christ. Yes, that's exactly what Jesus revealed to Paul and Paul reveals here. God had revealed himself as the covenant-making God of Israel and he committed himself to be faithful to the Jewish people. He chose them, he loved them, he was their God and they were his people. And God had revealed himself to them and promised them a future and a hope. You know, I don't know how you feel about church and what your experience is. I know some of you have only been here one, two, three times. We're so glad you're here. Others have been here for decades and you grew up in church. Some people have a bit of a spiritual lineage or a heritage, and it might feel like that's kind of a leg up. You know, they understand stuff I don't understand. And if we're honest, we tend to be kind of proud of our traditions. Oh, yes, I got saved as a child, and I've walked with the Lord now for X number of decades. And if we're not careful, we can get confused and think that the grace of God that might have given you a spiritual heritage is something more important than what Christ has done for us, and it is not. I went to this school, my parents did that, we belong to this group or that church and we've been in church all of our lives. Please, loved ones, your spiritual heritage won't save you. Your spiritual heritage won't save you unless you've personally been saved by faith in Christ alone. Your parents' faith is not enough, your church-going history won't save, can't save until it brings you to a place of personal surrender. I need a savior, his name is Jesus. I confess him as Lord, because I need him so desperately. But I love this. When you're in Christ, you are in his family. I don't know what your family was like, but in Christ, when we're united with Christ, when you are united with Christ, and I am united with Christ, you know what he does? He builds us into a family the foundation of which is Jesus Christ. What does the text say? It says that we are fellow heirs. This is mind-blowing, guys, that, that the same inheritance of the spiritually elite or those who did such good things is exactly the same as the person like Saul who persecuted the church and God changed his name to Paul. It's the same inheritance because of Jesus Not just that, we're members of the same body, made one with Jesus as Lord. We're partakers of the promise, sharing equally in his promises. Let me say it like this. True unity with each other is not possible until it starts with each of us being in Christ personally. The core of our partnership, our common membership in God's family is not based on us. It's not based on what we do. It is based on Jesus Christ. And when Christ revealed this mystery that all can be in Christ, then listen, anyone can become part of the family. That's awesome. I was thinking about this. Are you thankful for our worship team, our production team? My goodness. Yeah, they are I was sitting at home this morning, sometime just after six, and I got a text. Don't forget, sound check at 820. I was like, they are working. <laughs> it's six in the morning and they're on it. You know, I was, I was thinking about our worship team. I looked at the names of all the, the people serving behind the scenes today, and there's the craziest thing going on today. We have two men who were born in Romania on our team today. We have a man who was born in Zambia, we have uh, a person whose heritage is Ukrainian, their parents are Ukrainian. We have uh, two different servants whose heritage is Mexican and, and they're all serving the Lord Jesus Christ together this morning, isn't that beautiful? And that, Yeah, yeah, and, and we have somebody from Peoria who's a part of that team too, <laughs> that's me, no, no, no. So why do I say all of that, why do I say all of that? Because a task is not enough to bring that group together. Okay, A to-do list isn't gonna bring unity amongst those people. You know what brings unity amongst those people? Every single one understood their need of a savior. And when they turned by faith to Jesus Christ, he said, welcome to the family. You're united and anyone can be, become part of the family because of the mystery revealed. And I'll just add to this, none of them had earned their position and nobody had the inside lane to belong to Jesus. Nobody deserved it, nobody earned it. It's 100% the work of our savior, Jesus Christ. So to belong to Christ is to be fully embraced as a part of his family. We're a part of the followers of Jesus Christ. No one is better than in the eyes of Jesus. No one is lesser than when they belong to Jesus. All of us who've been united with Jesus are united with each other because of him. But can I just ask, why do we sometimes struggle to treat each other like this? We can be united to Christ, and yet we struggle to be united together. I wanna just challenge your thinking a little bit. I've observed this. Maybe you've observed this. I think there's degrees of how you welcome someone. I don't know, think about this with me. I think one degree of how you welcome someone is like this, you're walking down the you know, the aisle in the lobby out here and you're like. (laughs) It's the head nod, it's the whatever, non-verbals. Another degree is this. Hi, my name is Dave. What's your name? That's good. It's kind of a little better, I think. Here's another one. We might talk socially or casually. We might share some Things that are happening in my life or your life. I think that's better. I think that's a better pursuit of the unity that the Lord has for us. I think we can do better than that. I think we can meet intentionally. You know, I haven't talked to you in a while. Could we get together? Could we have a meal? Could we get coffee, hot chocolate, whatever you want? There's another degree, to welcome someone personally. You know what, we'd love to have you in our home. Would you come and, and spend time with us and share our time and home and family. And then there's like this level, refrigerator rights, you know? (laughs) Or maybe, this was convicting to me, remote rights. You know, who gets to, that's kinda convicting. I usually have the remote. (laughs) Listen, here's why I say it, here's why I say it. We're a part of the family of Christ if you're in Christ. And we are called to welcome each other as we've been welcomed in Christ. And I just want to say, wherever you're at in that continuum, you can tune it up. I meet new people here every week, and I often ask them, hey, I've been here a little while. I don't know what it's like to be new. Can you tell me what it's like to be new? And you know what's really encouraging, actually, is they're like, this is a really friendly church. It really is. But, but can I just encourage you that you have a massive role to play in that, and you can be the, the uh, physical welcome in the name of Christ to someone who knows him or someone who maybe does not yet know him. Pursue it, guys. Unity is what we're called to. To experience the unity intended by Christ, let me just give you three things. To, number one, draw near to him continually. And I want us just to pause and just say this. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Let's try not to ever get past that sentence. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Draw near to him continually. The second thing is this. Understand that you share the best realities with your brothers and sisters in Christ because we belong to Jesus. We're fellow heirs, we're members of the same body, we're, we're uh, sharing in the promises of Christ. Now, you, sometimes you have to remind yourself that this is true, guys. This world can be hard. This world can be discouraging. This world can, it does, oppose the purposes of Jesus Christ. But we have this opportunity to remind ourselves and remind each other whose we are and all that we have in Christ. And then just the third thing is this, to embrace unity through sharing in our common purpose. Sharing in our common purpose. And that really takes us to the third point here. The third point is this, if you're taking notes. Christ provides purpose through the mystery. What the church does today matters for eternity, okay? Christ provides purpose through this mystery. What the church does today matters for eternity. Let's read from verse seven. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Now the list is right there. I don't think I have to spell it out to you, but I I jotted a couple things down. Paul was made a minister by the gift of God's grace. See, this is all under the heading of purpose, purpose, purpose. This mystery gives us a new purpose. It did for Paul, it does for us. He's made a minister. He's to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's to bring to light what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages. How is that gonna happen? Through the church. Through the church is how that's gonna happen. The manifold, or you could say many-faceted, Grace of God, wisdom of God can be displayed in the heavenly places where? Through the church, through the church. I love the church, but I could never love it more than Christ did, who gave his life so that we could be a part of his family, a part of his church. And when we are, he gives us a purpose. To be included in the mystery is to be one with the family and to be a part of the mission, okay? To be included in the family, excuse me, included in the mystery is to be one with the family and to be a part of the mission. It's the mystery made known. The mystery has been made known to some so that the gospel can be made known to all. This was true for Paul and this is true for us, too. God revealed the mystery to us, yes, for your benefit, yes, for your salvation, but there's a greater purpose, guys. We have the mystery of Christ revealed to us so that others can hear, others can know, others we don't know their names and have never met them can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ because they look at the church and say, those are the followers of Jesus Christ. I'm excited about that, I love that. My experience of church, I would just offer to you, is often shaped by my perspective of church. My experience of church is often shaped by my perspective of church. Do I view it as a Sunday thing? Well, it's that day, I should probably go over there again. Do I view my faith in Jesus just as a personal thing? You know, that's kinda private, that's kinda personal. I don't know why we would need to get together Do I view it as the place I go when I'm in trouble? I hope you do come when you're in trouble, but not just when you're in trouble, that you live in the fullness of all God has for you within his church family. Or do we just see it as a bunch of people with shared beliefs, but we're just sort of doing our own thing and disconnected from each other? I hope not. Can I offer a different vision? Do I understand that the church is the people of God? saved only by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, united by a Savior who gives us more in common than anything that could ever separate us, for a mission that can change eternity. Wow. Christ provides purpose through the mystery. What the church does today matters for eternity. There's... Loved ones, there's nothing better than to give your life for the mission that Jesus Christ gave his life for. There's nothing better. You will not find a greater sense of purpose or joy or significance or impact than to be about the things that our Savior gave us to do on his behalf. Oh, and uh, by the way, don't forget the opposition. Paul was where? What was, who was he? He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he says, on behalf of the Gentiles. Sorry, a prisoner for Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. There will be opposition. Expect it. There will be resistance. There will be critique. There will be persecution. Expect it but walk in the purpose that Christ has given to you. And in verse 13, I love it. I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you. That's what Paul's perspective was. Yeah, I'm in prison. Yeah, it's not great. Don't lose heart. We're doing the thing we're supposed to do. We've been called by name by Jesus Christ. We've been united as his family. We've been given a purpose that can change eternity. There's gonna be some opposition in that. Paul knew it. Paul was living it. I love this, I was reading and studying this week and I read this quote by John Stott. It was a commentary on the book of Ephesians. And I really feel like it's right where we're living today so I wanna read this. Please listen, it's not on the screen, you have to actually listen, okay. John Stott says this. The major lesson taught by this first half of Ephesians 3 is the biblical centrality of the church. Some people construct a Christianity which consists entirely of a personal relationship to Jesus Christ with virtually nothing to do with the church. Others make a grudging concession to the need for church membership, but add that they have given up the ecclesiastical institution as hopeless. Now, it's understandable even inevitable, that were critical of many of the church's inherited structures and traditions. Every church, in every place, at every time, is in need of reform and renewal. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, have your way. But we need to beware lest we despise the church of God and are blind to its work his work through the church in history. We may safely say that God has not abandoned his church, however displeased with it he may be at any given moment. He is still building and refining it, and if God has not abandoned it, how can we? It has a central place in his plan. The church of Jesus Christ is central to history, it is central to the propagation of the gospel, and it is central to Christian living. If God designed the church to be central to all of those things and essential for his divine purposes, how can we allow it to be anything less important to us? Church is not about us, and church is not even primarily for us. The church of Jesus Christ is people who've been saved by Jesus, now united in Christ, embracing the mission of Jesus so that the glory of Jesus could be made known to all. So here we are. I gotta make a decision about this. What difference does this make in my life? What difference does this make in your life? We're at this place at this time in history with an opportunity to change eternity for Jesus Christ. What will we do? Well, what if I told you you had an investment opportunity for you which could not fail? You want in? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want in. Okay, great. That's the church of Jesus Christ. What what could you do with your time and your energy that not only has an impact today, but an impact for eternity? That is the church of Jesus Christ Now what's interesting with this passage and really the first three chapters of Ephesians, there's a lot of knowledge, there's a lot of indicatives who we are, there's not a lot of go do this, but I believe the Holy Spirit can provoke us in the right ways to what we're supposed to do with this and so I just wanna give you a few questions before we're done today. Here's the first question. Am I in Christ? You don't have to answer me but you do need an answer. Have you personally embraced Jesus' offer of forgiveness by faith? If you have not, why not now? What would prevent you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? Here's another question Am I living out the unity with other believers that's made possible because of my unity with Jesus? How is that going? How are you pursuing that? Here's a few more questions. Am I serving others? Am I connecting intentionally and investing in relationships with others who are in Christ? Here's a question. Who am I praying for to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Here's another one. Who am I praying for within my church family? We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. I hope you are. We'd love to pray for you. Am I welcoming others as I have been welcomed in Christ? What what could be more in that for you? What could you do to contribute to the welcome that you've received? Are my prejudices keeping me from loving others well? What can I do this week to pursue greater unity with other followers of Jesus? Now, I don't know the answers to those, but that's for you to ponder. That's for us to embrace. That's for us to say, Lord, change me. Lord, use me. Lord, make me more about your purpose. The church of Jesus Christ is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Even I'm saved because of Christ. Even you can be saved because of Christ. And then we're brought into this beautiful unity for the purpose of relaying the mystery to all. Lord, help us. It's what I want. It's what we want together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you, we do need you, we do thank you for your word, we do thank you for divine detours that cause us to take a different route, that cause us to ponder the beauty of who you are and all that you've done for us. Lord, would you please have your way in the church of Jesus Christ, and would you please have your way in this church, that your name would be most, that your name would be highest, that eternity would be changed, by us embracing and extending the mystery of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Lord, we need you. We need you desperately. Do your work in our hearts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.